Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Week 9 of the Big East Barroom is live, and it is a good day to be a Big East fan because we have four ranked teams on this Monday. Ryan, happy January 9th to you and those who celebrate. I don't know anybody who celebrates it. Mm, that's probably a good thing. But if you're out there and you're listening and you celebrate it, um, we're celebrating with you. Yeah, we Ryan and I went to the Palestra? Palestra? Palestra. Palestra last night to see Purdue play Penn State. A little Big Ten basketball. Um, not quite Big East basketball, but it was still fun. Um, the Mecca, if you haven't gone, I would highly recommend going out there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was loud. It was small. If you're like a Big East fan, which if you're listening, if you're not, keep listening, but don't know why you're here. Um, a little smaller than Gamble, but so flipping loud. Yeah. And the, like you're right on top of the players. We were so close to the players. I don't know if you could sit far away from them at all. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Zach Eady, like sitting next to him. Just a pretty incredible experience. Yeah. Um, a little housekeeping. Ryan and I are both playing a little under the weather. I think a long weekend in Philly um, and 10 hours of Big East basketball on Saturday caught us. But this is our Ryan Cockburner mono game. So we're uh, going to be bouncing back and we're going to be winning. See, here's the difference. I'm Michael Jordan with the flu because I'm going to win the game. And I'm Ryan Cockburner with mono because I'm going to sit out a week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that <laughs> all right this is we're gonna go reverse standings order today um but we're we finally doing the standings also we have a special hopefully special guest for providence and if you get to the end of this and for some reason we don't that means we got bailed on but um we're excited for today uh four biggies te- like i said four biggies teams ranked which is always great to see the biggies getting some of the respect they deserve so ryan um as we could have probably predicted, well, no, because I had Georgetown in the middle of the pack. Um, Georgetown is ranked as the bottom team in the Big East. So let's talk, let's put two and a half on the clock and talk a little bit. Georgetown Hoyas, who had their normal week and they lost to Marquette and to Villanova. Uh, what do you want to talk? I mean, I, I'm running out of things to say. I just really want to use this t- two and a half minutes to just say fire Patrick Ewing and look it up in different languages. Um, but I don't know another way to do this. You, so, you know, so you took the words out of my mouth on the way over here. I was thinking, like, I'm kind of running out of things to say for Georgetown. One thing that I'm, is kind of standing out to me is the defense hasn't been as bad. And I say that, and they gave up 95 points to Marquette. But their first half defense was okay against Marquette. And their defense against Villanova was all right. But then it was shot selection against Villanova. I mean, I think they shot 35% from the field. Yeah. Like, you're not going to win any ball games with the shots they're taking. They take contested shots constantly. And then against Marquette, they give up 95 points. So you're not going to win any games that way either. They shot 35%. Well, that was really good. They're so far away from being a good team. Like, it's not even close. Yeah, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about one positive. Was that um, Brandon Murray dunk um, and Villanova. And then he got hurt later in the game. And him and 
um, Jay Heath, and somebody else didn't play in the Marquette game. Yeah, if you didn't see that dunk, go look it up. It was fantastic. It was really awesome. Really athletic. Kind of um, underscores exactly what we've been talking about, that they have the athletes to stay in some of these games, but that they're just not putting together a full 40 minutes. And it's, you know, they won the first half against Marquette. They were tied in the first half against Villanova. And to lose, they gave up 61 points in the second half to Marquette. That's, you know, that is not even, um, that's not college basketball. Like, that's something you see in the pros. Yeah, they're they're not playing defense. At all. But they're not even playing something that resembles defense. It's not like people are hitting tough shots over them. You know, for someone to shoot 61% on you, like, I, I mean, I don't want to come after these kids, but, like, do you have pride in your defense? Like, and I know it starts with the coaching, but come yeah. on now. We can say a cook a cook continues to not be the problem at Georgetown. He had 10 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks against Marquette. He filled up the stat sheet there. Yeah, and Primo played very well in these games, getting his shot off. Um, you know, um, or he played very well in the Marquette game. Maybe he didn't. Maybe I'm just seeing because I just really like Primo Spears and what he brings to the team. Um, no, Primo went for 18 on 7 of 17 shooting, which you can live with. Yeah, the volume. I'm not a huge fan of the volume. He's up to Lesby. Lesby breaks three for three. Good! All right. I don't think that we would have been able to predict this one at the beginning of the year, although you were all over it. That Likelihood that Patrick Ewing is fired before we record our next podcast? Zero percent. I think 0%. they want to wait till the end of the year to... And let him resign. But what... Does he hold them hostage if he doesn't resign? <laughs> I, um, I don't get it. At some point, they'll take it personally that he won't resign when he should have. I I don't know. I put a poll under Georgetown's um, tweet the other day about what was more... Into, what is, who had what more has more of an impact on Georgetown's program? Patrick Ewing, the coach, or Patrick Ewing, the player? And Patrick Ewing, the player, won by like 2%. Which is... You know, you're you're really in damaged legacy type. All right, right. You want to put, and they they haven't won since January seventh <laughs> or December seventh, Georgetown. Yeah. Okay, let's go to another team that's on a five game losing streak, and that is the Johnnies, who lost to Marquette eighty five to ninety six, and then lost at Providence eighty to eighty three. Two and a half on the clock to talk about the Saint John's Red Storm. Rye, what are we looking at? So they had a really good first half against Marquette. I know we're just going to talk about first halves for these bad teams, but St. John's looked really good. Pasha Alexander came off the bench, hit like two threes. I don't know if you remember, he had those back-to-back ridiculous layup, layups off of assists from Joel Soriano. Yeah, the two like um, alley-oop layups that they threw. Yeah, he was really good coming off the bench. Clearly, he didn't like coming off the bench because he brought a lot of energy, and I don't think he'll continue to come off the bench. And then they just kind of fell apart in the second half. Um... You know, you can't lose the second half by 18 points. Again, Marquette, second half this week, maybe something we started talking about, 61 points against Georgetown and 55 against St. John's. And not only that, it's right after they come out of halftime both times because they were winning both of these games yeah. within the, like 15, yeah. 14 minutes. Before the under-16 timeout, yeah. I think they were winning both games. Um, and then St. John's played Providence, which we had one eye on, kind of. UConn and Creighton was on um, next to us, and we were kind of watching that. But the Johnnies look like they put together their best 40 minutes of the, you know, against quality competition. Yeah, but you know what Johnny fans are saying right now is it's a little no late for victories. moral victories. Yeah, Joe Soriano was fantastic in that game. Again, another double-double. Uh, he's not the problem. I mean, he has Queens. a double-double double in both games, 22 and 13, and um, 16 and 10 in the second one. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't know where you go if you're um, St. John's right now. Uh, you're getting efforts from individual people, but it's not working as a team still. Um, Posh Alexander shooting the three with a little more confidence. I think that's an interesting storyline. I think he buried two in both games. Um, yeah, he went two of four and two of five. So that's an interesting storyline if he continues to hit those. Interesting to see that it looks like Anderson's going to come with Corbello off the bench going forward, trying to get a little better spacing on the floor. Um, so he doesn't have Posh and Corbello out there at the same time. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out this week, but I, I do think it is a positive development for the Johnnies in general. And they play Butler this week, so they're going to be trying to get right against Butler, who they think they're better than, but I don't know if they're better than. Um, Pinzone got a bunch of minutes in the Providence game, and it looks like he kind of performed. So I wonder, I've heard St. John's fans clamoring for him. Will Pinzone be part of the rotation going on? Adeo Wusu played really well against Marquette. Yeah, but Anderson's having trouble because one one week it's um, Store who can shoot, and one week it's Pinzone who can shoot. And one week it's Mathis who can shoot. I, and he doesn't know which button to press. Yeah, I don't. I'm really... If St. John's could put their whole team together... I mean, yeah, this is gr- a great analysis, Tyler, but for 40 minutes, I mean, they would win... Quite a few games, but I mean, I think a lot of teams say that in the Big East. All right, right. Our favorite Twitter fan base? Are we talking DePaul Blue Demons? Who DePaul played against Butler and Providence and lost this week. Oh, no, they only, the Butler, the Providence game was outside of the week, sorry. So we're going to put two and a half on the clock, talk DePaul Blue Demons. All right, the DePaul Blue Demons go into Hinkle Hill House. And lose 70-78. to 78. Um, Amoja Gibson continues to look really good. He has, goes for 16-8. and eight. Um, Nelson coming off the bench, 14-6. and six. You know, the story is DePaul's kind of in the St. John's boat where they're done with moral victories. Um, and they, they don't play defense either. They give up 78 points to Butler. Now, it is at Hinkle. Yeah. And that's a really place, hard place to go play no matter who you are. But, you know, 45% shooting, 46% from three to a team that doesn't shoot that well from three. Absolutely. Giving up 45 points in the second half to Butler is pretty impossible to do. Um, Eric Hunter, eight in this game, eight of 13. Um, But they did it with, you know, Butler did it the way, I don't want to go too much into Butler because I think they're next, but they did it kind of the way they do it where they spread the ball around, bunch of guys in double-double, or double figures. You know, my question is, if you get Javon Johnson there, to go for his normal 14 or 15, you probably win that game. Unfortunately, Javon Johnson decides to have his worst game of the year, and he went for eight points in this game. So, I, I don't think DePaul's going to win a lot of games. I think that they're worse than they were last year. I don't know how many wins they ended up with in conference last year. Like three. But I think they're going to get less than that. Yeah. So um, and, and, it's just know, not there for them this year. And I want to say the schedule gets harder, but they're not – I mean, they're a step below – Seton Hall, they're a step below, um, obviously, all them. I think they're probably right in line with St. John's, but maybe a step below them. Too. I think compared to George Shep, clearly the coaching is better on DePaul. But we do t- love a Tony Stubblefield coach team. But the talent is so much better at Georgetown that I think that DePaul is probably <coughs> the most irrelevant team in the conference right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree. that DePaul brand doesn't carry the same weight that the Georgetown brand carries. Right. Um, you know, unless Stubblefield can really tap into that Chicago hotbed, you know, then we can start talking about, you know, DePaul revival. But DePaul just doesn't have the track record to go on like Georgetown does. And Georgetown's interesting. Georgetown's the most interesting team in the country right now. 
because they're literally imploding before our eyes. And people love to watch car crashes. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting narrative. Whereas DePaul's like, I've been bad for a long time. I continue to be bad. You know, I'm not coached by an NBA legend. Yeah. And, I mean, we can look for little things. Amosha Gibson, can. I really like watching him play. It's kind of rude that we're doing that. You're doing that to Providence in their one loss at the dunk slash amp after they just had a really really good week and we have I'm a just, Providence. I'm guest reliving the best moments of um, the dunk. <laughs> wow, Colin Gillespie fan over here. All right, right. We have the next team being the Seton Hall Pirates. Seton Hall loses two game or goes one and one this week. Tale of Two games. They lose by 22 and they win by 25. Uh, does this week say more about Seton Hall? Does this week say more about Butler? Does this week say more about Creighton? What does this week say more about in terms of this? Because, you know, they had just blown out um, St. John's the game before this. So, I don't know. I tend to believe that Seton Hall might be trending in the right direction. And I'm just going to call that other game an anomaly. Or do they just play really bad competition? And there are two wins. I think Seton Hall looks functional, and those other teams look dysfunctional. Competent, I would say. Yeah, I think that they have a good coach. Well, that's a little harsh. I, I like Butler's team, but Butler's struggling against anybody who plays halfway decent defense. I mean, you, uh, in that game, they held Ch- um, Hunter, Harris, and Lacocious to a combined five points. I think Seton Hall's good enough to beat up the bad teams in the conference, and I think that's what they did this week. Um, and then they, they're not good enough to play with the best teams because they just don't have the offense. Yeah, Tyrese Samuel and Kadari Richmond were really good in the um, the Butler game. Um, I don't, you know, but Kadari Richmond was really bad in the Creighton game. You know, he, this is where, you know, when we're talking about player, you know, Big E's first team, Kadari Richmond has some performances where he would, you'd be talking about him being a Big E's first team player. But Kadari Richmond went for four points in a game against Creighton, which they really could have used to be put themselves on a map. No, no consistency from Richmond. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody's seriously considering him for. Uh... But Kadari Richmond, but I'm just like that's where you differentiate yourself um, in that in terms of you know Biggie's you know first team or Biggie's second team or even honorable mentions, and I think. I think a consistent Kadari Richmond would really change this team. I, they came out and blitzed Butler. I mean, they looked yeah. fantastic against Butler. They had Butler, you know, retreating the entire game right off the bat when they got Tyree Samuel the ball a few times. Was able to expose Manny Bates. Um, one by 18, one by seven um, in halves against that game. But, you know, the Creighton game, I, I think, I personally will say that I think the Creighton game speaks more to Creighton kind of being back. Rather than Seton Hall. But I think Seton Hall, you're absolutely right, has supplanted themselves right in the middle of the conference. And they are going to lose to almost every good team. And they're going to beat almost every bad team. And they're going to just stay right there. Yeah, nobody at this point thinks Seton Hall is, you know, one of the best teams in the conference. They're supposed to lose to Creighton. I think it was more remarkable that they beat up on Butler because... And St. John's, the week, you know, the week before. I know we, you know, that was last week. But still. All right, right. Let's put two and a half on the clock to talk about a team that we've kind of talked about a lot because we've talked about their two games. And that would be the Butler Bulldogs, who went one and one this week with a win against DePaul, which we've referenced, and a loss against Seton Hall, which we've also referenced. Man, you go ahead, right? Because I think you have some more takes than I do on Butler. 
Yeah, they're kind of my disappointment of the year. I think that they they have so much talent on that team, you know, and having that stable of guards, Harris, Taylor, Hunter, Lukosius, um, and you're bringing one fella off the bench, I can't remember. Ali Ali. Yeah, well, he's more of a forward, but him too. And then you surround it. Uh, you know, they put all of them on the perimeter, and then you put Manny Bates right in the middle. You wish they could With figure With a very it. good head coach um, track record of Fad Mata. Sure, sure, the track record's there. You wish you could see more from them, but I'm just... I mean, after the blowout at Providence, and then the blowout to Seton Hall, it's looking pretty grim for the Butler Bulldogs at this point. Yeah, I just don't... You know, you're not going to win any games when you're Lukosius, Harris, and Hunter combined for five points. Um you know, there's Ben Taylor coming off the bench has been kind of your guy, but he shoots three of fourteen in this game. Um, you know, they were able to beat the Paul. I didn't even realize he shot that poorly. I wonder who was guarding him. Uh, was Seton it Hall? was it in Defo? Was uh, it Odin Taylor? I don't know. I we were half watching because it was ten hours in, and we were all excited about a good last game of the day. And then they blitzed him, and then that was it, pretty much. We had also been drinking all day. Um, to be some fair. of us had. But Taylor... Um, some of us being both of us? Some of us. Ryan might have... Um, Eric Hunter looked really good against DePaul. I think Butler is one tier... I'll speak your language because you're the tier guy. I think Butler's one tier below um, Seton Hall. But like right there with Seton Hall. I, but they have the talent to be better than Seton Hall. I completely agree. I think... I don't want to say if it's a coach because I don't think we... you know I don't think that's fair to Fatmata. Agreed. Um, but... I don't know why they haven't taken a step forward. And it seems like Manny Bates has kind of been neutralized um, in conference play when he's facing, you know, similar bigs. It's not that he's playing poorly. It's just he's he's kind of established himself as he's going to get 11 points a game, 12 points a game. He's going to get about eight rebounds a game. And then, you know, and not that that's bad, but you thought Manny Bates might be able to be, you know, the best. There were talks about him being the best big man in the Big East because of how good he was in out-of-conference play. Um all right, and we are actually going to talk about Colin Gillespie's alma mater. And I have takes here, so I'm going to let you start. Villanova, who they went oh and or one and one this week, they beat a bad Georgetown team. Really beat them in the second half badly, um, and then they lost to Xavier at um, home. Um, in a in a pretty good game, eighty eight to eighty, I would say that the score isn't even quite indicative of. Um, I thought it was a little bit more. Xavier was clearly going to win that game at a lot of times, but Cam Went Cam Whitmore looked really good. Yeah, not a good week for Villanova, and time's starting to run out for them. Um, and their tournament hopes they're only going to get so many more Q one opportunities, and and Xavier just came into their building and beat them up. Um. And the Georgetown game was way too close, as you referenced, and they really didn't manage to separate themselves to the second half. They're in trouble. They're not playing Villanova basketball. They're not generating open looks, which is, you know, their staple is getting open looks on the perimeter. And if you watch either of those games, they just end up settling for a lot of contested shots. You know, Cam Whitmore and Kyle Neptune had it out a little bit on the court because Whitmore is taking contested jumpers. So... I'm not sure where they go from here. Whitmore looked really good against Xavier, I thought. Um, yeah. He didn't force a lot of shots, 11 of 18. I thought Cam Whitmore in the Xavier game, and I don't mean this as a slight at Fremantle, because Fremantle was the best player on the court, but listen, I'm going to say that I thought Cam Whitmore is clearly the most talented basketball player on the court in that Xavier game, which you would expect from a lottery pick. Um, 
I don't think that's a hot take. I just think that talent wise, he was fantastic. I agree, but it wasn't enough. It I didn't end up making. Well, here's a my thing: if Vill- and I don't mean you know I love you Villanova fans, but if Villanova did not have Villanova across the front of their chest, no one would be talking about them. Oh, if they can just get it together, they are not. I'm. They're on right now moral victory wins. Well, wait until Justin Moore comes back. Justin Moore. Even if he comes back, he tore his Achilles. This is an injury that you don't come back from right away. And to think that all of a sudden when Justin Moore comes back, that you're a top five team, top ten team, or top five team in the Big East, it's just wrong. Villanova, unfortunately, lost their two coaches last year. And one was Colin Gillespie and one was Jay Wright. And they're not nearly the same team. And if it didn't say Villanova across their chest, we wouldn't even be talking about them riding the ship. We'd be talking about them in the same tier as Seton Hall. And that's what I'm doing for the rest of the year. Villanova equals Seton Hall. And I'm not going to take any... And sure, they might be a little more talented, but they're the same team for me right now. Tyler can really ramble when he gets started. That wasn't nice. That was mean. <laughs> All right, Creighton Blue Jays. Ryan, they went one and one this week. They beat Seton Hall in a game we've referenced, and they lost to UConn at UConn. Comments, questions, concerns, or opinions? Well, they needed to beat Seton Hall. Is that their first game in thirteen days? Um, they had. I don't know. It doesn't have a calendar next. I believe week. that was their first game in thirteen days. Uh, DePaul was their last game on Christmas Day, right? Yes. Um, so they had to go out there and beat Seton Hall, so that was good to see. But I think they didn't nine look days. very good against... Nine days, by the way. Was it nine days? 25th of the Oh, third. excuse me. I don't know where I got 13. But I don't think they looked that good against UConn. I thought Ryan Kaufbrenner was not what they needed him to be. Their defense didn't show up. Um, it ends up being a nine-point game, but I think UConn was in control for most of it. Yeah, Creighton really rode that 14-2 second-half run. Um, where they kind of got into it. Uh, Trey didn't shoot the ball well. Nemhard didn't. Um, seemed like UConn kind of gave the guards fits in a lot of ways. And Sonogo was stronger than Cockburner. And therefore, he was able to keep him out from getting to that dunker spot um, repeatedly. And then Sonogo kind of ate offensively for a lot of, you know, some of the sound bites that came out this week um, from Cockburner. I think it's interesting that Sonogo, he, I will talk about this more with UConn in a second, but Sonogo is clearly stronger, clearly in control that whole entire time, took his time, and kind of just like, anytime it was one-on-one with Cockburner, it seemed like a mismatch, which is weird because Cockburner is... I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it seemed like a mismatch. Cockburner's got five inches on the fella. But Sonogo's ability to get Cockburner out of position by pivoting, pump fake, fake the pass, all that stuff. I mean, he's a. there's a reason why he was preseason player of the year. He's really, really good in the post. Yeah. Cockburner didn't, and Cockburner's offensive game isn't create his own shot. He catches a lot of lobs, a lot of putbacks back in. Uh, they he went doesn't to have him, a lot of post moves. They went to him once on the post and he airballed the hook airballed shot. airballed that left-handed hook shot. Um, I will say that I think that the Seton Hall game um, kind of established that they are going to be at least on a bubble for a tournament team right now. But they're not going to take bad losses. They're not going to take bad losses. They are going to beat the bottom half of the Big East. But, you know, they still have two games against Xavier. They still have two games against Providence. They still have a game against UConn. So their schedule, I don't know. You, they have it in front of them to make the tournament, but they also have it in front of them where they could easily miss it because they're not going to run up wins. Um, and it's easy it, wins. It's damaging now to take. And they did lose at UConn, which is, you know. T- this type of environment. Well, what's his face um, said that. Just uh, pretend that was the buzzer. Well, um, 
there was some a stat like the Yukon or Yukon, Xavier, Providence, and Creighton are like forty two and three at home this year or forty three and three now. Yeah. Or some you're not going to win. So it's certainly not a bad loss for Creighton, but they've got their entire starting five back and they want their argument to be when it comes time for the, the tournament. Well, we were missing our starting five, so you can't really judge us from that. Yeah. Well, now you start losing games with your full starting five, it's a lot harder argument. And I wonder... Not that this game puts it away. No, but I also wonder, do you think that the turn... And this is what I've talked to a few people on Twitter about. Do you think the tournament selection committee will... Because that six-game losing streak that they're all going to reference. Cockburn are playing in three of the games. Do you think they're going to reference... That Cockbrenner didn't feel well, or do you think the committee's just going to say no? He played, therefore he, therefore it's a loss with Cockbrenner. Well, the tournament, the committee doesn't have to come out with their reasoning. So oh, what, of course. But so I'm what do I think they're think. saying behind closed doors? Yeah, I think McDermott is telling them like, hey, he wasn't feeling well, and they're saying, you know, I I think there's it's a binary system. They're saying he played. You lost. I, I think some people on the committee say that, and some people say the opposite. I think you can probably hear both sides. All right. That was a little extra Blue Jay talk. Uh, Rye, do you know who's next? Um, UConn. UConn. You want to put two on the clock to talk about our UConn Huskies? Who, is it fair to say they had a disappointing week going one-on-one in the way that they lost the one? I don't know. It's so tough. Compared to preseason expectations, no. Compared to what the expectation were coming out of non-con, yes. UConn desperately needed... To get the Creighton monkey off their back. I think that's important to say. Um, But they absolutely... And they got beat by Providence. That Providence didn't luck into a game. Providence didn't do anything. Providence was the better team. Almost half to half. Almost wire to wire in that game. Um, UConn's big question is... Who is going to guard the four? Um, Caravan can't guard someone who... Right now he's a freshman. He can't guard someone who's that much bigger like Hopkins was. And he struggled against Kaluma too. Is Samson Johnson the answer coming back? I would caution UConn fans the same way I just cautioned Villanova fans that Samson Johnson, who has never played big minutes in college basketball, is coming in off a pretty serious injury, clearly, because he hasn't played since the first day of the season. To expect him to come in and be the savior, I think, is a very dangerous proposition. Yes, I do agree. And we've talked about this offline. I do agree that their biggest issue is defending the four. I think the other thing you have to talk about is um, you're still dealing with the issues around Andre Jackson, being able to shoot, being able to space the floor. You know, he shot 0 of 3 against Providence from deep. Um, and so Providence is just able to pack the paint. You know, you're able to shut down Snuggle. Snuggle only gets 11 points in that game. On nine shots, too. Like so it, it, just, it continues to be an issue. And they've kind of come up with a counter against Creighton where they have Jackson flash to the dunker spot and then give it to Snogo. But if you're Snogo, you have to work very quickly for that to work. Yeah, I mean, or I think if somebody's going to I think that the the book against UConn is Creighton tried to play Snogo straight up cuz they thought Cockburner could play him straight up. I think if you send that double, Snogo's not a great passer. And you just do that, and well, they they did at times try to dig on him, and and so goes trying to create space by faking. He would the take pass a time, out, faking yes. pace, kind of a Zach Eadie move. Um, and Jackson's trying to keep his man engaged by you know cutting down the lane, but that only works once, and then once you've cut, yeah. And I think he shot better from three in the um, Creighton game. I I think Andre Jackson <coughs> needs to be able to hit two threes a game for UConn to get where they need to go. 
and he hit one in this game, but seven points, nine rebounds, two assists. Moves on Gillespie. Gillespie breaks free for three. Did you see anything this week that makes you think the game plan against UConn has changed? No. And I and I also did you see anything that worried you this week from UConn? Yeah. Yeah, they got out toughed by Providence. I think when you go into, I think it's the same thing I just said. When you go into somebody else's home, you are going to lose almost every single time. I believe they got out rebounded by Creighton at Campbell, and they got out rebounded by Georgetown too. It it seems like the rebounding is a little bit of an issue, but right now you have two guys that are proficient rebounders on the team. That's it. Yeah, but people who want who say like, oh, the UConn is great at offensive rebounding. That's an old take. That's last year's take. They're not the same offensive rebounding team. They're a much better shooting team this year. They don't offensive rebound at the same pace. All right. Do you know who's next? Um, we're down to two teams. Marquette so. Golden Eagles. You are correct. The 25th ranked Marquette Golden Eagles, which I accurately predicted. Ride, they played two games this week. They won two games this week. Remarkably consistent. Scored 96 and 95 points against two of the bottom of half of the Big East teams. Um, St. John's and Georgetown. Thoughts? They might end up being the best offense in the conference. Yeah, I I don't think that's. Uh, they were already one of the best offenses Xavier, in the country. Xavier, Xavier, yeah, Xavier's right up there. But ninety five and ninety six points against P six schools. Or Georgetown and St John's are barely P six. They're still P six. Um, Prosper, but, Omax, Omax, and we kind of touched. Oh, yeah, Omax was fantastic, and we kind of touched on this against um, St John's. But something Shaka Smart is doing at halftime is working because his teams his teams coming out and making runs after halftime every day. Sixty one and fifty five points in the second half. Yeah. I mean, right now their whole thought process is if we're within five, you guys lost. Yeah. <laughs> going into the second half. Run serve in the first half. Um Omax was fantastic in the first game. So was Tyler Kolick who had like fifteen assists. Oh, that was the second game he had. George yes, I'm yeah. sorry. He I think he, what do you have twenty three assists over the, the whole week? Twenty three assists over the whole week, yep. He's the best passer in the conference. I don't know if there's much controversy to that. And I mean, he had 15 assists and he didn't turn the ball over. Then he had eight assists and turned the ball over once. He doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I am interested, and I know they played Ed Croswell, but I am interested how Marquette does against a team with bigs that can score consistently around the rim. Oso is so – and listen, someone has to guard Oso, but – Oso got the best of Joel Soriano a few times. Yeah, but, I mean, Soriano really played well in that game as well. Um, especially in the first half, he, you know, Soriano went for 22 and 13, yeah. um, and fouled out, but you know, I, I am a little bit interested against Adama Sinogo, Kalkbrenner, um, and, um, Jet Nunji, how, how Oso does against people that are, you know, three or four inches taller than him and probably 40 or 50 pounds heavier than him. Um, yeah, so. this is a matchup to watch. I'm not betting against Oso. No, he's definitely the matchup to watch. And Oso is... The thing is, somebody has to guard Oso. And can any of those bigs have the mobility to stay with Oso? I'm not sure. No, Soriano didn't want to get pulled out of the paint. He was trying to, you know. And and um, Omax looked incredible. It's a new guy every day for Providence, or, um, Marquette. And that's what I've really enjoyed um, watching. You know, Cam Jones, Stevie Mitchell. You have an Omax game. You have a David Joplin game. Um, it's a I've different scorer every night. Yes. It's always Tyler Kolek getting that person involved. I absolutely agree. Okay. All right, and because we're going to wrap up here, because we're going to talk Providence with a little bit longer of a time in a minute, I would venture to say right now that Xavier is my favorite team outside of, obviously, my UConn Huskies to watch in the Big East because of their offense. 
Um, and they won one game this week, and they beat Villanova. Yeah, they were in some fun stuff, for sure. Um, they they only played one game against Villanova, that's correct? Yeah, they beat UConn on New Year's Eve. Okay, and so that was Zach Fremantle's day. Zach Fremantle went for 29 points. He was and 11 rebounds. He was fantastic. Um, Sully Boom also had 22 points to chip in. A lot of that coming from the foul line. Um, Conco was fantastic in that game. Um, Kobe Jones was good in that game. I mean, you just had – your your guys were guys in that game. They yeah. were dudes. I mean, Sean Miller knows how to exploit mismatches, and I think that Zach Fremantle, he was getting guarded by um, Whitmore. Well, I – No, he was – Villanova A switches. lot of Slater. Well, Villanova switches everything. Well, and that's what I told you. I don't know if Villanova can afford to switch things, and – Nunji and Fremantle are matchup nightmares, and I get it. That's why Villanova scores 80 points, because Nunji and Fremantle on the floor is probably not your best defensive lineup. But they are matchup nightmares offensively, and if you don't have two proficient bigs in, you saw what Fremantle did against Carabin, you saw what Fremantle did against Slater, and all the switches. I think Xavier, I mean, I don't know. Xavier is one of those teams where I could see them going to the Final Four or losing a first-round game, because if that's just not working that day, they could be in trouble. Yeah, they don't have their defense to fall back on, which Sean Miller has touched on about. You know, what are we going to do when the shots don't fall? You know, when it's a must-win game in the NCAA tournament, the shots aren't falling, you have to have something else to rely but, on. And the only thing I would argue to play devil's advocate is, you're not, like, they're not relying on three-pointers like another team is. They're going to, Fremantle and Nunja are going to get layups. And a lot of times those layups are, you know, obviously, not a lot of times, this isn't a hot take, higher percentage shots than the three-pointers. Yeah, but they also <clears throat> rely a lot on post moves, post hooks. Mm-hmm. Fremantle had a lot of hook shots. That baby hook is beautiful. Yeah, a great baby hook, elevates. <coughs> um, and, some, and some days those shots aren't going to go down, ask Adamas and Ogo. So it's, I agree, the lack of defense is concerning. You know what it reminds me of a little bit? Is the old Iowa Hawkeyes with Luca Garza? Yep, and they got bounced in the second round because one day the shots didn't fall. They didn't play any defense at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sully Boom continues to look like it's going to be between him and Hopkins for like Biggie's first team. Well. They're probably going to both be Biggie's first team, and we're going to be talking about who's transfer of the year between Hopkins and Boom. I think Hopkins obviously has the advantage right now, but Sully Boom is fun to watch. Yeah, Sully Boom's been really consistent for them, and he's averaging more points than Bryce Hopkins. It's just he doesn't have those huge performances. He's the engine that drives that team. And, you know, I like that Kunkel knows his role too. Kunkel doesn't take contested threes. Kunkel catches the ball and he's open on the wing. Let's fly. He's also Let's not fly. a bad facilitator. They get him in the pick and roll with Nunji. He's, I mean, he's not going to win any awards, yeah. but he's good enough. You I know. Agree. All right, that's our talk on the Xavier Musketeers. All right, Big East Barroom fans, we are lucky enough to be joined to talk about Providence hoops by one of Providence's best fans on Twitter, Fried Up. Fried Up, how are you doing today? I'm Fried Up. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, of course. Big, big fan of the show. Uh, so, you know, I'm honored to be here representing the Friars because uh, we got a little too much UConn love. So we got to even, even it out. And this is a perfect week for you to come on because they played UConn. So if there's too much UConn love, uh, Providence goes 2-0 and this week. Um, I would say that the two wins were in different styles. They kind of dominated UConn for the full 40 minutes. Um, but that St. John's game was really close. What did you see? Let's start with the UConn game. Um would you like, would you do, do Other than Bryce Hopkins, what, what really stood out to you? Man, I would probably say just uh, Devin Carter. 
Um, you know, he's, I, from kind of day one, um, he's brought that energy and hustle. I think what PC fans are like, what I'm seeing is he's also pretty crafty. Um, like he's good at drawing fouls and he has like a couple um, like NBA moves. So like, um, you know, in the NBA, like if somebody's reaching, you know, they can get the shot off real quick to draw the foul. So I think he's also pretty crafty. Um, I like how he went after Andre Jackson. He actually, you know, I hear it a lot. He reminds me a lot of Andre Jackson, just uh, the much, jump much shot. better, much better. Imagine Andre Jackson with offense. Um, oh, that that three had hit by the bench when UConn was going on that run, kind of trying to close the gap, and he hit that three at the end of the shot clock. As UConn fans, that was kind of a heartbreaker. But, I mean, just a tough shot from that kid. Yeah, the uh, the one where, like, he it was kind of like a, a BS shot, right? Yeah. Like a, on, uh, yeah, I, I like that one, too. Um, what did you what you see from Bryce Hopkins in that game? Because Hopkins started the year not – I mean, everyone's talking about his talent. And, you know, I've heard a lot about him coming in, but I was like, he played four minutes a game at Kentucky. It, he's had a few coming out parties, but this seemed like it was like, I'm Big East, like, player of the year, potential Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved what I saw. Um, so I wasn't really sure. He had a great game against Marquette. Um, you know, he's had other good games. I was really curious because UConn has length. They're kind of known for their defense. Um, I was really curious to see what he would do against UConn. And even like before the game, I was like, you know, if he gives us 12 and 8, you know, anything more is gravy. Um so to see him, they had caravan on him. So like, I mean, I don't know what Haha ha Hurley was thinking. Um, but I guess I guess you have a lot of. I'll I'll try to not to take too many shots, but like I I was surprised by that matchup um, basically because you know he um, Hopkins he's quick. Uh, he's got a good first step. So you know I thought he really took it to to Carabin. And even late in the game, when they did put Andre Jackson on him, you know, he drew a foul off him. Uh, so, you know, I think he showed, you know, he's going to be able to do that against, you know, good defensive teams. Um, you know, maybe not every night, but it's in his bag, so to speak. Yeah, he's got an NBA body. I mean, UConn, we were talking about this earlier, and the pot will come out tomorrow, but um, that they just lack a four of that size. Um, and Hopkins just, you know, NBA them at some points, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And so what did you um, – let's go over to the St. John's game. What did you think? What did you see? Um, could I actually say one other comment about sure. the gun game? So I kind of forget about it. Um, but it's important to remember, Bynum went out yeah. like after eight or nine minutes. So when he went out, I was kind of thinking, you know, let me – Friar fans, we don't make excuses. We don't like asterisks. You know, we, but it was kind of, I might have been thinking of a couple things in the back of my head. But um, Alan Breed, he came in and he played really well. And I didn't really think Breed, I kind of view as a, you know, he gives you 10 to 20 minutes, you know, solid play, good defense. But he was running offense. Um, which was kind of surprising. 
um, that or I was surprised by how good he was at it. So um, I, I thought that was going to be a, a bigger loss than it was. I didn't even see, you know, the Bynum injury. I know that he got hurt early, but it was like they didn't miss a step at all. And then Breed kind of carried it over and he scored 14 points in the St. John's game too. Why was that game? I mean, again, we had one eye on it. Was that a hangover from Providence? Was St. John finally put together 40 minutes with some of that talent? I mean, Providence just figures out a way to win. Look at last year, they how many one, two possession games they had. But I, I was shocked to see a game within single digits, to be honest. Yeah, it was one of those things. Um, before the game, I told myself, you know, with Bynum out and St. John's, you know, pressure defense, I'm not putting money on the game. But then, you know, a half hour before, you know, I, I gave gave way. Um and, you know, I, I took PCU to cover. I forget. Yeah. I think I got him at like a given six or six and a half. Um, but early in the game, what was kind of odd, PC actually jumped out to maybe like a, a seven point lead, give or take. Yeah. I was like, all right, like there's going to be no hangover. Like we're going to roll this team. Um, but credit St. John's, um, you know, I thought they they didn't play a, an A game necessarily, but they, they definitely competed. Um, and, you know, Breed did step up. Like, I think he finished with like 14 or 15 points mm -hmm. just on top of my head, had some foul trouble. I think he actually fouled out. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it's the Big East any given night, um, you know, uh, with the exception of Georgetown, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, you know, Carter, he had a great game just off the top of my head. He might have had around 20. Um, uh, 19 for Carter, 20 for Locke. Locke for 20. Yeah. Locke. Put on here. Yeah, Locke stepped up um, big time. You know, he had a couple moves. Uh, obviously, he came in um, to PC. We were very familiar with him. Um, we recruited him out of high school. Uh, we tried to get him when he first transferred. Then we were able to get him um, this past uh, this past offseason. Um, you know, Locke, I thought he hit threes, but he also he um, hit some mid-range shots. He even... Uh, drove a couple times so Locke I think you know him and Carter uh, just kind of carried us in that game yeah kids got range there were a few times I'd look over to the other TV and I'd say um like no no that's a bad shot and then he was like it was water and I was like okay well that you know he has utmost confidence in himself you know shooting that long three especially after struggling at the beginning of the season shooting a little bit and he's really turned it on now yeah absolutely uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, he was struggling, kind of the whole team was. Um, but, yeah, he's really turned a corner. Um, and if he plays like that, you know, we're currently ranked 19th. The poll just came out. Um, you know, I think we're legitimately a top 20 team with a, a high ceiling. So let me ask you this. Compared to last year, which team do you think has a higher ceiling? Well, I guess I, I'm going to kind of cheat with my logic, but I'm going to say this year's team um, just because we know what last year's team did. So they last year's team did the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, I think this team, they have the horses that they can match that. And then if you're in the Sweet 16, I mean, who knows what happens? I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Providence play. Um, Ed Cooley's got those guys rolling and uh, – Hopefully we see Providence, you know, looking for, you know, the better Providence is, it elevates the Big East. Um, and I think it's kind of come out of nowhere, but not for Providence fans, it sounds like. So, Friday up, we just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Um, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day, and uh, hopefully we can get some Providence fans listening.
hey, uh, I, I love that. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I enjoy listening. Um, you know, I, I spread the word. You know, I, I think I just want to credit you guys real quick. Um, you know, I, the fact that you have a Big East podcast and you can like legit talk about all 11 teams, you know, that's a lot harder or it's easier said than done. Um, so, you know, I, I like you guys. Let's keep up the Twitter interactions. Um, and, you know, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Friar. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you. All right, right. We are on mailbag segment, and we got a ton of questions this week. So we're not going to rapid fire in terms of – we are going to rapid fire, but we want to answer each question thoughtfully um, because you guys take time out of your day. So point – I'm also, going as thoughtless as possible. Well, you are thoughtless. Point Oso MU um, says, what is the outlook of the Big East for the next three to five years? Who will fall? Who will dominate? Give me who will fall. Give me who will dominate. Then I'll answer. Dominate. I'm going to go. He'll love to hear this. I'm going to say Shaka Smart. He's relatively young. He's a fantastic coach. He's built something really impressive in two years already. I don't see any reason to think that doesn't continue to trend in the right direction. Fall. DePaul is just in trouble. I don't know the path. I don't know if that's a fall, but it's just kind of a flat line. Yeah, I would say DePaul has the biggest chance of continuing to be kind of where they are. Um, for me, biggest riser, Homer, but UConn has a top five starting five class coming in next year. Um, and Dan Hurley has brought that team up every single season. I'm going to go with UConn continuing to kind of um, be in the top half of the big, top upper, upper echelon of the Big East. All right, Ryan. Husky Pro says, how can Jordan Hawkins become a more consistent scorer? He's had some success getting towards the basket, running and picking rolls. If he's able to do that consistently, now you're talking about someone who could score at all three levels. He shoots the mid-range every now and then, but it's not his go-to. I think, and I'm going to look at Jordan Hawkins like you look at a Kevin Durant. Obviously, he's not one of the best players to ever play basketball. But I think if Hawkins can get to that free-throw line jumper and elevate and make it, um, that really changes what UConn can do because he can go get a bucket at any given time. Hall Pass NJ says, group of, we decided to make this our own thing, group of Big East coaches you wouldn't want to see play basketball, play basketball against. Well, Shaheen Holloway and Patrick Ewing. And Kyle Neptune seemed like in the best shape. Did, but he didn't play ball at that level. Uh, he just seemed, he's the youngest, he might be in the best shape. I'm taking, forget the five, I'm going two people, Ewing and Holloway is my top, top Ewing, two. I mean, Dan Hurley played at Seton Hall. Yeah, but. He came off the bench. He wasn't like his brother. Um, I would go with the McDermott. He's got to be a shooter because his son is one of the better shooters of Creighton history. Um, at Va- Vedu Duro, if Sean Miller and Patrick Ewing swap places, what would the record be? What would the results be? Um, Sean Miller would be just fine at Georgetown with the amount of talent they have. Having a really good coach would help. Georgetown, I think, would be, become a middling team in the Big East, and I think Xavier would become a middling team in the Big East. I think you would have teams... Six and seven there. I think you underestimate Ewing's ability to bring down good talent. <laughs> but I love Sully Boom. Uh, Nick Ireland asks, sixth man of the year. Donovan Klingon. <clears throat> um, who did I just say a minute ago? Did oh, I think St. John's might, uh, one of those point guards might win because they're not sure about the rotation and Posh Alexander and Corbello might be the most talented. Um, at Cesar Edwards Fro, who's stopping the Muskies? Uh, the Huskies at home. Yeah. Uh, listen, Centos Center is impossible to win at. Um, 
you got to go play. Not impossible. And they defended their house. That's they what should. you're supposed they to do. They do, exactly. And you should be riding that high right now. Yeah. You got to go play UConn at, at UConn. You got to go play Creighton at Creighton. You got um, to play at the dunk. You got to go play at the dunk. Um, so ride your highs now because we just talked about it. You don't always get those. You know that you got to bring those lows. The take said your most – he said three most impressive. Let's just go with your most impressive conference um, – performance from a player this year in conference yeah i think Bryce hopkins against marquette 20 uh, and 20 yeah that 2020 if i had to go with another hopkins against yukon or um i really thought sonogo against creighton was really impressive with 26 and 10 he has a better performance against butler um 27 and oh 26 and 9 he had a better performance against butler but i thought that was How about 32 points for trey alexander against DePaul christmas day it's tricky, 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 tricky. would he hit seven threes yeah he was incredible too um, how many Big East teams make the tournament? Four, uh, Deshaun, 13. Uh, four, five, or six? Four. Who do you have uh, not making it right now? Oh, you don't think Creighton makes it? You have to have the four ranked teams. I forgot. You? Yeah, I forgot about Creighton. I guess five. I'll go five. And But if you're a Big East fan, hope that uh, Creighton plays itself off of the bubble and then a, a Villanova wins the um, Big East tournament um, because then you'd have, you could get six teams in. But I don't see a path for Villanova. Um, this guy, uh, move QI freely said UConn lineup changes. Um, and then he said something about Diara going in for Newton and Calcaterra in for Caravan in terms of starting lineup. Yeah. I don't, Calcaterra can't play for Caravan right now. I think it is a conversation for Diara playing on Newton if you are Oh, you thinking, included this question because you love Hassan Diara. I love Hassan Diara. Okay. Hassan Diara stand. I see why this question was included. Yes. You wouldn't do anything to the UConn lineup? The only thing they're going to change is maybe Samson Johnson for Alex Caravan. When they start, I got to see what Samson Johnson looks like. I want to believe, but it's just so hard. All right, and the last question is Drew H206, who wins the Big East tournament on January 9th? That's a great question. Really? You think? I'm not trying to insult Drew, but I just it's just such a crapshoot of a question. I'm gonna say the Huskies, the depth that you need to put win three games in three days. They'll have a fan base that shows up at MSG, and they're already one of the top teams in the conference. Um, I'm gonna go Xavier. I think their offense travels wherever they go. Um, I'm obviously gonna be root for the Huskies, but I'll go Xavier for right now. Not too; those aren't controversial picks. Ryan, I just wanted to stop. We, you know, you told me to keep this part short of ten minutes. I want to stop for a minute. Um, I believe yesterday, a year ago today, we decided that um, sitting at our favorite bar, which, again, we only go to like once a week. So just in case anyone's worried about us. What, what uh, do you mean once a week? <laughs> you weren't there yesterday? No, I wasn't there yesterday. We were at the Palestra. Um, but we we talked about doing this. Um, we were already talking about college basketball, but in a year um, not to toot our own horns, but between the two of us, we have 4,000 Twitter followers about. Um, we've grown this podcast to be where you're listening to it right now. Um, and I want to say it's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to where we are going. And um, We have big plans about you know the future, and uh, we're very lucky to do it with all of you. And I'm lucky, personally, to do it with my brother. So grateful, so blessed. Um... Our girlfriends told us not to do this. We didn't listen. <laughs> you can throw them right under the bus. So here we are. What's up? She, uh, one of our girlfriends just ahemmed from the other room. Um, but we are really just um, thankful to be able to do this. So um, let's keep growing this. Let's make the ballroom the place to be. Um, we're looking to, you know, get some more guests on. We're looking to do some more, um, you know, 
go to more games. You know, we're going out to Madison Square Garden this year. Um, and we're just very, very lucky. So uh, thank you to everyone. Keep interacting with us. We don't, you know, keep arguing with our power rankings that are subjective because we love that. But be normal. Be but normal. Just be normal. Be normal. Twitter. And nobody cares if you argue normally. Yeah, just be a normal person on Twitter. All right, guys. So um, this concludes week nine of the Big East Barroom, our um, flu game episode a little bit. A little Cockbrenner mono. Um, we look forward to seeing you all next week. Um, get those mailbag questions in. We're going to try to do it a little bit earlier in the morning so you guys have the chance to. Um, thanks for pulling up a stool as always.